Welcome to Urban Forum Northwest with your host, Eddie Rye. We have a full plate today. We have some very important people we're going to be speaking with. I mean, all my guests are important. But uh, we have on the line with us right now, and we're waiting for uh, to be joined by State Representative David Hackney from the 11th Congressional District, I mean, the 11th Legislative District. I know that he's in a meeting, and I know if he has a motion on the floor, he won't be able to leave, like, right away. But anyway, uh, I have on the line with me Bob Armstead from the Washington State Civil Rights Coalition, uh, Lyle Kwasim, uh, chair of the Tacoma Pierce County Black Elected, and a new, a new person coming to the hierarchy of state government in Washington State. Her name is uh, Tara Smith, and Tara comes to us from Miami-Dade where she was the director of internal services, where she oversaw a workforce of 1,000 people and an annual budget of, was it 100 million, Tara, or was it 10 billion? A 300 million in operating and 500 in capital. Okay, so anyway, we know that uh, we've been having a dialogue, you, my Bob Armstead and myself, and so we wanna welcome you to Urban Forum Northwest. Now, uh, State Representative David Hackney will be joining us when he comes in. He's in a meeting, so I just want to let everybody know when he comes in. But uh, why don't you uh, go ahead and uh, take this time and just tell our listening audience a little bit about you. Uh, you've been here since September. You're the Director of the Department of Enterprise Services with Washington State. Uh, I don't know how what their budget is, but uh, it's a lot bigger than mine. And... Uh, why don't you just go ahead and share that information with our listening audience and with my colleagues on the line, Lyle Kwasim and Bob Armstead. Thank you so much, Eddie. Um, again, I'm Tara Smith, and I'm so pleased to be here. I am new to the not just the, the state of Washington as a, as a job, but the state of Washington, period. Um, so I appreciate this opportunity to, to uh, talk about the work that we're doing uh, in my agency, which as you said, is the Department of Enterprise Services. Um, I have been here for a little over four months now. Um, and yes, that doesn't sound like, like much, but I have done this work before. Like you said, the department I oversaw for almost seven years in Miami-Dade local government was substantially similar. <laughs> All the operational work that we did there from facility management to fleet management to real estate development, um, et cetera, et cetera, is the same here in enterprise services. So I bring a lot of uh, experience in the operations of this agency. Um, so my work has been in these four months to focus on, get up to speed on the projects, but focus on the people and connecting with both internal staff and, and agency, state agency personnel, but also stakeholders. So thank you for this opportunity. It was made really clear to me uh, in the interview process that brought me over here uh, that equity and contracting needs to improve here in the state of Washington. And that's true across, across the country. It's certainly something that we focused a lot on in my department also in Miami-Dade County government. And I hear it from my colleagues across the state. I'm on a panel um, in the 1st of February actually uh, talking about best practices and uh, equitable contracting for state agencies. So it, it's something that um, was a priority uh, when the governor told me that uh, he would select me for this position with the emphasis being on work um, that he's doing. And I know you talked about the EO already. So you see that um, reflected in his priorities, but I certainly feel 
uh, the expectations from him as well uh, in my agency to do everything we can to move that needle forward. Um, so obviously I read the 2019 disparity report long before I ever even got to Washington. Um, and it sounded familiar. Like I said, I've, I've tackled these challenges before. Um, so why am I here having this conversation? Because with you, I, I want to reach those Washington businesses who might not know about contracting opportunities in the state. Um, we do a lot of things in DES that I would love to talk about, but I really am going to focus on the work that we do as the central state agency whose job it is to procure goods and services and construction related work. So contracting opportunities uh, within the state government are, believe it or not, they are rampant. There are many, many, many contracting opportunities. And the reason I'm here is to talk about those and how to access them and to help however we can. Um, on, a, on a statewide basis, in terms of goods and services, my agency alone manages over 200 statewide contracts. So when I say goods and services, that's everything from gloves and masks to forklifts and services like consulting and technology. So those are all contracts that my staff is uh, soliciting for, establishing and monitoring. And we've done a lot of work based on the disparity study already to include contracting methods that are more inclusive of small and minority owned firms, but clearly there is work to do um, because I've seen those numbers and we all acknowledge that. And again, thank you for the opportunity to talk about that here. Um, in total, I was talking about DES. When you look at state agencies across the, the enterprise, there are about $1.3 billion being spent across other state agencies. So another, that's in goods and services. When you look at construction, and we often separate construction because it's a different procurement process, but in my agency, we're also managing quite a bit of work available in public works type uh, contracts, roads and sidewalks and bridges and signs and so forth. So in design, construction, engineering services, we're contracting for about 400 different projects right now across the state. So that could be projects that are on Capitol campus, projects that are at a university, projects that are across the state generally on state property. Um, we're managing creating a new program in our small works roster Small Works Construction Projects is under 350, but this is where we're creating a new program to help do a better job of helping new businesses or businesses who just be, are smaller and still getting off the ground, or maybe they're not getting off the ground and they just need help navigating uh, all of the requirements to work with the state. Uh, this is a program that's still getting underway and hopefully you'll have me back down the road to, to talk more about that. Um, so, I want to put a couple of websites out there, information for folks who, who want more detail about the process. Um, so instead of giving you the full address of where to go on my website, because it's a really long description, um, I'm just going to give you my department's website, which is des.wa.gov. So that's des.wa.gov. Um, on that front page, you see a button that says services for private business. 
That's where you click to find links to all of these bidding opportunities to register your business so that you can get notified of contracting opportunities. Um, and I'll repeat that again at the end with my contact information. But obviously we recognize that Eddie, it doesn't always go that smoothly, right? That there's things that we can do better as an agency to help businesses work with the state and have contract opportunities. So we've created uh, an internal advisory group and we call that BDAG, the Business Diversity Advisory Group. This group was created in 2018 to create an ongoing feedback mechanism from folks who are doing business with the state and maybe it's not working right and maybe we got things wrong and we're not being inclusive in a certain contract. Um, there's all sorts of feedback that we've gotten from this group of um, stakeholders who are big and, and small doing work with the state and giving us just ongoing feedback about that contracting process. So we've implemented a lot of their recommendations and we have a vacancy on that advisory group right now that I wanted to talk about here um, because I really wanna spread this, this group far and wide to have a, a very diverse uh, and inclusive group of people. So this group can have anywhere from 11 to 22 members at a time. Um, right now we're around 20 members. Uh, the vacancy that we have will, it could serve either a one or two or three year term. Um, you come to, we're meeting online now like everybody is. So you come to a weekly meeting. I mean, I'm sorry, a monthly meeting uh, to talk about how things are working for you and give us your feedback. And if you have additional time, you would serve on a subcommittee. Um, the vacancy that we have, like I said, I think is only one vacancy and the applications are due January 31st. Um, this has been an important mechanism for me in the few months I've been here to listen directly to folks who are trying to do business with the state. Um, the web address, again, is really long in order to, to find the, the spot to apply on my website. So I'm just going to give you, if, it, if you're interested in being a part of this advisory group, to help the state do business with, with small and minority owned businesses, I'm gonna give you my email address and then I'll make sure to hand you off to the right person to be a part of that group. So my email address is tara.smith, that's T-A-R-A dot S-M-I-T-H at D-E-S dot W-A dot G-O-V. I'd be happy to answer any questions you have, Eddie. Tara, I'd just like to, for the record, uh, you mentioned this group that came together and they were doing this work. Uh, have you seen the numbers for participation by African-Americans or African descent of the United States enslaved? Uh, how much did that change since they formed this group and also the subcat? And let, let, uh, let the listening audience know what the exact level of participation is for Blacks. Well, I'll tell you, that data doesn't even exist. We, we are tracking minority uh, contractors, we're tracking women-based co contractors, we're tracking veteran-owned uh, businesses. We don't have, at least we certainly didn't in 2015 when the sub-cabinet started or 2018 when this one started. And we're just now having those conversations at my level with all the agencies involved to make sure we find a mechanism to track that number in the grouping of minority-owned businesses what are those minorities? We don't know that today. Yeah. Well, I just want to say that uh, in 23 years, uh, there was a minimum participation 23 years ago. 
during affirmative action and 23 years without in the black community, you know, people will have to be uh, really have a lot of nerve to go into business, given the fact that uh, all the disparity studies say the same thing, that blacks are discriminated against. There was no action taken. The purpose you have a disparity study is so you can take action if there's one group is receiving disparate treatment. And that's never been done. But I want to also allow uh, either Lyle or Bob uh, to ask a question. And Jesse Weinberry will join us. I want him to talk about the executive order and the role you play in that. So Bob or Lyle, if you have a comment or question for our distinguished guests right now. Uh, yes, Eddie, this is Bob. Uh, Tara, as part of the disparity studies, uh, there is an ethnic breakout where they have uh, identified by ethnicity the contracting levels. Uh, so that is true in Wasdot, uh, where the disparity studies are mostly or have mostly in the past been related to Department of Transportation projects. Mm -hmm. But the state of Washington also conducted a disparity study. So within the state of Washington's disparity study is the ethnic breakout of contracting levels uh, in Washington state. And in that document, it should show the level of contracting for uh, for African-American contractors. Thank you, Bob. I, I agree. A lot of that data was being tracked uh, by WashDOT um, and we, in the goods and services side, there's there's all these different aspects of contracting across the state. Uh, in the goods and services side, when I ask that question now, I, I'm told that we need to do a better job of tracking that uh, because, I, like I said, one $0.3 billion of spend on these contracts, and we don't have that current data now. I know with my partners in OMWBE, we're, we're working on that, uh, but that is an area that we need to improve on in our current data tra tracking efforts. Okay, and, and I'm sure you understand the concern of minority business in general and African-American businesses in particular uh, the fact that DES since 2015 was the lead agency in terms of equity and contracting and employment. And for there not to have been any progress since 2015 through 2022 uh, is, is a very serious matter. And for DES, which was the lead agency uh, in that effort, not to have developed the method for, for tracking and producing information, you know, that, that Eddie just requested is it, very troubling. Bob, I'm here, I'm here to start repairing uh, some of that. I, I am learning that as I go. Uh, I've talked to lots of stakeholders uh, about uh, internally and externally about the work of DES. Uh, we have, we've done a lot, but we have a lot of more work to do. And at this point, we're working very closely with our partner agency, OMWBE, who in the most recent uh, executive order signed by the governor has been charged as the lead agency to, to monitor track, hold agencies responsible, gather the data. Uh, we work really closely together on that uh, and in the business diversity sub cabinet as well. 
there is work to do there in, in DES, and, and that's why I'm here, to acknowledge that, talk about it, uh, and keep listening and, and finding ways to, to resolve some of that past failure. Tara, before you have to go, we, we have uh, Jesse Weinberry who is joining mm -hmm. us, and he had, he was very instrumental with the Washington Equity uh, Now Alliance. Wiener uh, was very instrumental in getting uh, the governor's executive order. They've been working for some some time on that, and uh, so he he uh, will be joining us shortly. And he was wanted to comment on the role. Uh, and why don't you share with our listeners while he's joining us? What role will you play in implementing Governor Jansen's executive order? Well, um, I have a role to play in the establishing and monitoring of those contracts that I was describing earlier. They're called master contracts, but that's that's language that we don't use anymore. And we're trying to, to change at the state legislature level um, this year or next. So I call them blanket contracts. These are these large co goods and services contracts that state agent that we establish in, in my agency that all other state agencies are expected and directed to use first. If they have to buy a forklift, they're gonna to go to a contract that my, my employees establish because we are the procurement experts in across the state. So we, we follow the procurement steps. We are creating, uh, what we're doing now to be more inclusive is working with OMWB on the tools for equity. What we mean by tools are those contracting methods and award methods that purchasing agents across the state should be using when they're competing for goods and services. So things like unbundling contracts, right? We, we just awarded a recent really large contract across the state that has in the past always gone to one big company, but this year, we broke it down into eight different groups and three subgroups below that. So there's a lot more work going around to, to smaller firms, not just one big contract to, to one big firm, the way we've always done business. So that blanket contract process is what I own. That's about $1.3 billion in spend across all agencies uh, every year. Uh, and, and there's work that we're gonna continue doing there and establishing contract methods in these large contracts to be more inclusive of small and minority owned firms. Lyle, I want to know if you have a question or a comment while we hook Jesse Weinberry and Lena in. No, no, uh, uh, I'll defer to, uh, to, to Jesse um, and I'll save my comments uh, later on if we have time. Thank you. Well, no, Je Jesse hasn't joined us yet, brother. That's oh, why okay. I would defer to you. <laughs> Tara, Ms. Smith, thank you so much. Uh, it's good to hear your voice. Good to hear from you again. Um, you may or may not recall that I have spent uh, a lot of time in state service, uh, handling the, uh, the business of uh, the people of the state of Washington. Uh, in the four months that you've been here, um, what, what would be your initial assessment about uh, how we compare uh, from the um, national perspective? You said you've been around the country. And, and yeah. what key things you think you might need to do uh, over the next 12 months? Thank you, Lyle, for that question, because I'm very mindful of that uh, in preparation for this panel that I'll be on uh, in the 1st of February. That's a, That national organization is called NASCA. It's the National Association of State Chief Administrators. And so a lot of... Well, all of the uh, public servants in that group are, like me, 
uh, leading agencies that have procurement in their roles and responsibilities. So what, what we've done in preparing for that conversation across with all these agencies across the nation is kind of grouped ourselves. Some, some agencies are bright and shiny new to all of this and they have a long way to go and they're learning from all of us. And then you have the, the medium agencies and then you have the very advanced agencies who, that have been doing this for quite some time, learning from their mistakes and sharing best practices with all of us. I categorized uh, ourselves into the medium category because we have done a lot of work. I see the value of the the newer systems in place, like this advisory group that I that I spoke about, I like the these new contract award methods that we're using now, and these big blanket contracts. But this is all pretty new, and so we have work to do to continue that effort to monitor ourselves and hold ourselves accountable, looking at real numbers on a regular basis, and. While my agency doesn't doesn't exactly take the lead role or in any way take the lead role in the governor's new uh, executive orders, I certainly am holding myself accountable to carry the water uh, that is necessary to create accountability across state agencies. So where I see opportunities because I'm listening to stakeholders, I see opportunities that an agency might have missed to use a small or minority firm in their contracts, I'm gonna call them up and talk to them about that. Uh, holding each other accountable as professionals and colleagues is, is something that uh, I plan on continuing to do because um, we're not all thinking that way. And I think that's the work. Uh, the governor's executive orders will, will help us all as leaders think and, and begin to have minority equity and contracting, just the fabric of what we do every day. Uh, we we are getting there. I see that in any case, as the, the person who's only been here for four months, I see genuine, authentic people who want to achieve that. So I'll do my part to to carry that and, and, and what I can do in DES. I want to see if Jesse Weinberry has joined us. Jesse, have you joined us yet? He said he was waiting to be admitted. I have another question. Uh, okay, go ahead. Go right ahead, Lyle. Uh, uh, Tara, uh, mm -hmm. is it that uh, is it correct that you have uh, uh, a possible job opening in your office for a deputy? And if that is true, what kind of person are you looking for? I have, and thank you again for that great question to be able to put that out there. I didn't want to take up too much time in my opening comments, but this is an important piece for me to talk about. I have multiple vacancies that are at a very high level in my agency that I am either currently recruiting for or very soon will be. Uh, I am currently recruiting for a chief equity officer. This is a new position that hasn't been filled before. It has just been created and it's been out now for two weeks um, and hasn't yet gotten a lot of attention. So I'm going to keep it out as long as I need to, to make sure I get a good base of applicants because I need to get this position filled in the right manner with a high level leader who's going to report directly to me as director who's going to bring together uh, all of these efforts that have been started but really need to be owned and stepped up in my agency um so that position will be out for another week or a week and a half but again 
if I see that I don't have good participation, I'm going to keep talking about it in groups like this and extend it as long as I need to. I also just advertise for a chief financial officer. I'll soon be advertising for a chief strategy officer and, and will later on this year be advertising for a deputy director. So yeah, these are this is a great opportunity for me to, to build my leadership team. Okay. Well, Tara, I want to thank you very much for your time today. And uh, on this program, you do have a, a standing invitation because you're doing you. important work for the people. And uh, so we certainly do appreciate your time today. Uh, Eric, we're going to take a break and come back with uh, Representative David Hackney and Jesse Weinberg. Thank, thank you, Tara. Thank you, Eddie. Hi, my name is Mian Rice, the Diversity and Contracting Director for the Port of Seattle. As a public agency, the Port of Seattle serves the community and our investments should benefit everyone who lives and works here. The Port is committed to equity, diversity, and inclusion and to leveling the playing field. That means continuing to open doors to contracting opportunities to all, especially women and minority-owned and disadvantaged businesses. How can you participate? List your business in Vendor Connect, a database of contractors. Attend PortGen workshops to learn how to do business with the port. Learn more about contracting opportunities at portseattle.org. For more information on operating a concessions at Seattle Tacoma International Airport, visit lease.seataxhops.com. Why sit in bumper-to-bumper -bumper traffic when you can hop on Link Light Rail and fly by the gridlock? It's a smoother, easier, stress-free way to get where you want to go. Whether you're heading north to Capitol Hill and the University of Washington or south to Columbia City, Tukwila, and the airport, Link Light Rail will get you there quickly and safely. And if you have an ORCA card, even better. Just tap on the yellow card reader when you get on and listen for the beep to let you know your card has been accepted. Then tap your card reader again once you've reached your destination and listen for the double beep to let you know you've tapped off correctly. To find the closest Linklight Rail Station or to learn how to get an ORCA card, just go to soundtransit.org and type Linklight Rail into the search bar. Sound Transit's Linklight Rail. Just another way that Sound Transit is powering progress. Easy on the ears, good for the soul. Alternative Talk 1150. We have been joined by uh, Representative David Hackney. I have uh, uh, Lyle Quasim and uh, Bob Armstead in the land. We'll be joined by Jesse Wine very eventually. But uh, Representative David Hackney, uh, I know he's in and out of sessions because they got a short session right now. So Representative Hackney, welcome to Urban Forum Northwest. And why don't you share with uh, our listeners a little bit about what the environment is like with this uh, Omicron and Delta variant running rampant. Uh, how are you guys taking care of the people's business? Thank you very much, uh, Mr. Rye. Uh, we're doing our best. We are completely remote. We are all in our homes. We are not allowed to uh, go on the house floor and um, they have difficulty meeting with each other. We can only call each other. We don't have the ability to grab someone in the hallway, tap someone on the shoulder and have an informal conversation which makes it more difficult uh, to, uh, to operate. But uh, we think it's in the best interest of everyone uh, with this Omicron that uh, we stay remote. And uh, I will now have served my first term uh, in my living room, which is disappointing. 
And what are, what are your priorities for this legislative session for your district and for the state? Uh, sure. Thank you. Again, I'm in. Uh, I represent the 11th legislative district, which, with the new maps, will be Tequila, Renton, and Kent, South King County. And my um, uh, goals in this session and moving forward will be on clean energy. We are um, adjacent to SeaTac Airport and Boeing Field. We are um, nestled between the port of Tacoma and the port of Seattle, and we're intersected by three major highways, I-405, I-5, and I-67, and we have some of the worst air quality in the state. So I have a bill um, that gives uh, residents uh, in condos and homeowners associations the, uh, the right to have electric vehicle charging stations because to meet our greenhouse gas goals, we are going to have to have electric vehicles. We're gonna to have to get cars off the street. Um, I had a, a young African-American woman in my district um, in 2020 die from, all, from uh, a respiratory disease. And it's far, far too common in South King County. Uh, again, the worst air quality in the state. I'm also focusing on consumer protection. Um, again, South King County suffers eco- economically um, compared to North King County, I have a bill that has prejudgment interest. So if you go to trial, if sometimes it takes years to go to trial. If you get a judgment, the, the person that caused the harm will have to pay interest on the debt from the time the, uh, 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 the case was uh, accrued or actually liability accrued. So that, again, if there's going to be a delay and the person that is owed the money they should be entitled to the uh, the interest from that as well. Um, so those are my, uh, my, my major bills um, that I am uh, pursuing. I've got some other bills I'm pursuing with other folks, but I'm going to be focused on clean energy and consumer protection, fighting income inequality. I want to ask uh, Lyle or Lyle Kwasim or Bob Armstead or Jesse Lanbury if they have a question or a comment for you, Representative Hackney. Oh, I've got, I've, Mr. Roth, I got one really important bill. I have a bill, HB uh, 2023, that is going to provide uh, tenants, uh, uh, help them enforce their rights. If you're a landlord, you don't have to go and file a lawsuit to evict someone. We have a streamlined process that allows you to do it. I, in this bill, am creating a streamlined process for tenants to enforce their rights. Currently, if you want to uh, challenge your landlord, you have to file a formal lawsuit. And that's expensive and time-consuming. So I have created a streamlined process that allows tenants to enforce their rights for illegal evictions and for um, requirement for major repairs by their landlord. So that's another really important bill that I have. Sorry about that. That's very important. Now I want to go to Bob or Lyle or Jesse, a question or a comment for Representative Hackney. Uh, very quickly, Representative Hackney, you spoke of air quality and CTAC Airport. Uh, what, if any, provisions in your bill uh, would address the uh, the major contributions to poor air quality in your district from SeaTac Airport? I'm sorry, could you repeat that? I, I, I'm sorry, I'm having a little trouble hearing you. You mentioned as one of your major initiatives, air quality, and SeaTac Airport is in your district. And I, I assume that second to or number one contributor to that air, quali- that air quality is the uh, exhaust from the jets that are in and out of SeaTac Airport. 
what, if any, provisions were you able to put in your bill that would uh, address that or cause some other agency to address that? Uh, thank you for that question. SeaTac Airport is actually adjacent to my district in the 33rd. Unfortunately, uh, aircraft and airports are governed by the Federal Aviation Administration, and the state does not have authority with respect to airplanes. We do have authority with respect to um, ground vehicles at an airport, and I don't have any bills now, but I do have a budget proviso that's going to have a grant program for the ports to allow them um, to apply for money to convert uh, in both the seaports and the airports to convert ground vehicles, drays, trucks, and other trucks on the, on the ground from gas consumption vehicles that with, with greenhouse gases to either electric or hydrogen vehicles that will be much cleaner. And because, again, we are nestled between these ports and adjacent to the airports, um, if there are large contributors to the pollution in my district, and so hopefully these grant programs, but uh, unfortunately the state has no authority to regulate aircraft. Only the Federal Aviation Administration and Congress can do that. Okay. Well, Representative Hackney, I wanted to see if, uh, uh, you know, recently the governor signed an executive order uh, uh, reestablishing affirmative action in the state that's been absent for 23 years. And I was hoping to have uh, Representative Jesse Weinberry speak on that, but I look think he is Jesse Weinberry, you are there. Jesse, can you please uh, talk about, uh, before Repres Representative Hackney has to leave, about uh, your expectations of the executive order and how uh, members of the legislature can make sure that it is goes into effect even though it's an executive order? Jesse, I, I mentioned I wanted to see uh, what kind of anticipation would you have from our state representatives and state legislators in terms of the executive order, even though it's an executive order, uh, I want to have you comment to uh, Representative Hackney. Well, the uh, the the legislative branch, uh, uh, for obvious reasons, really had no role in uh, Governor's Directive 9801. Uh, it was issued by, as as you know, former Governor Gary Locke. The uh, he did not go through the legislature to issue it. Uh, it went straight from the governor's office, and so only the executive branch has any authority to remove it, and thanks to the efforts of the Washington Equity Now Alliance, you and the entire community statewide, um, as you know, last Monday, uh, the governor responded to our uh, request to rescind Governor's Directive 9801, which killed affirmative action for the last nearly quarter of a century. We, didn't, we thought it was I-200, but we learned through in-depth research that it was uh, the governor's directive. And now that is gone, which means uh, affirmative action is alive and well. And we encourage the legislature uh, that hasn't acted on this issue since it voted on I-1000 to uh, grab the opportunity to uh, help people, particularly uh, African-Americans, uh, Hispanic, Latinos, and Native Americans, that the governor's budget has shown half of those communities right now are living in poverty. They're not even unemployed. They're lit half, nearly half of the black and Latino and, and Native and indigenous communities are living in poverty. And so certainly now that we've unleashed affirmative action for jobs, for contracts to create jobs and for college education, that 
the legislature will uh, take its rightful role in leading the way on any legislation that can make that permanent, because we know a, a governor's uh, uh, executive order or directive is, is not permanent law, but the legislative uh, action can be permanent law, and, and we hope they will seize the opportunity to lead and act. Okay, Bob, Lyle uh, or Bob, do you have a question or comment to Jesse, who's one of the leading forces? Congratulations to Washington Equity and uh, Now Alliance for getting the governor to sign uh, the executive order reinstating affirmative action in Washington State, which has been absent for, like Jesse Weinberry said, 25, uh, almost a quarter of a century, 23 years. So, uh, Lyle, do you or Bob have any comment or question for Jesse and the executive order? I just have one comment uh, to uh, Jesse. Well, I, I have more than one. I'll just make one. Um, I, there's, an, there's an old saying, you don't lose unless you quit. And apparently uh, you didn't quit. Um, and um, uh, we need to, and I need to applaud you for that. So thank you. And I second that emotion. Bob, do you have a question yeah. or comment? We tried to get you on with Tara uh, because, Jesse, why don't you explain her role in the executive order, Tara Smith, the director of DES? Well, uh, she has a, a major role. Uh, DES, I should say, has a major role. When you when you review the executive order, uh, twenty two oh two, and we invite all of your listeners and viewers to go online and 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 get it and pull it down. You will see that uh, the governor charges the Department of of uh, Enterprise Services with the full responsibility for conducting all of the training of the uh, DEI, Diversity, Equity, training that we uh, submitted in our proposed executive has now been put under their response and, uh, and administration. Uh, that is an enormous job. There's over 200 uh, uh, agencies, boards, and commissions in the state, and that doesn't count the 39 counties, the 281 cities the 285 school districts, the 75 port commissions, the various universities and colleges. And so uh, we intend to continue working with the governor's office to find out whether DES is responsible for just the state agencies or whether they're also responsible for delivering the training, uh, the DEI training to be specific to those other entities. is a, is a mammoth uh, undertaking to turn a ship around uh, that has been headed in the wrong direction for nearly a quarter of a century into the right direction and and not have people telling folks who are seeking jobs and seeking contracts and seeking a college education that I-200 prohibits them. That's no longer the case since last Monday when uh, uh, Governor uh, Inslee signed his executive order. Bob, you had a question or comment? Uh, uh, yes, but again, congratulations, Jeff. Wonderful, wonderful job. Uh, I think it's very important for Eddie's listening audience and for the residents of the state of Washington in general uh, to have a better understanding of the process that was required in order to get to this point. So if you could uh, share some of that, uh, Jesse, I think it would be very much appreciated. Oh my God! Uh, it, it's it's been it's been uh, a fascinating but sometimes frustrating journey. You know, I I heard Lau Kwasim's voice. I'm not sure what he said, but 
you know, when you look at the Washington Equinow Alliance, it's nothing without organizations like like his. Uh, the Tacoma Pierce County Collective was a part of that alliance. It was over organizations across the state that came together and and basically agreed, uh, kind of like the old Three Musketeers, all for one and one for all. And we weren't taking no for an answer. Uh, but 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 uh, in terms of dealing with the governor's office, especially. Uh, Bob, when we found out uh, the big lie, uh, it's been a, a t- nearly 25-year lie that I-200 killed affirmative action. When we found out that it didn't, that it in fact uh, uh, had uh, in the body of its voters' pamphlet and urging that we keep affirmative action programs and only prohibit those programs and take a lesser qualified person and put them over a more qualified person, for a job, a seat in college, or a contract based on race or gender. Once we learned that, then we had to ask ourselves, okay, so how did the doors of affirmative action get shut? Um, and that's when we discovered uh, that it was Governor's Directive 9801. And once we knew that, we knew that was the impediment. That was the barrier. And that's why we had to remove it. And, yes, we launched a, a website. We, we went out under the, with the foundation of close to 400,000 uh, people in terms of emails, a, a database from I-1000, and we educated them and channeled them and urged them to make their voices heard uh, to the governor. Uh, it's, 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 a, it's a lot easier to get one vote than it is to get 49 in the Senate, majority of 49 in the Senate, majority of 98 in the House. We focused on one vote. And that was the vote of the governor because he was the only one on planet Earth that could that could cure this problem. And uh, it took us a while, and I think it took his his staff a while to really see the solution. But once they saw it, they seized the opportunity, and uh, that's why now a, a new era of equity has dawned in Washington State. Can you guys hold on for one minute while we take this quick break? Okay. Uh, Eric, can we I'll, get this I'll break in, and then we'll come right back to it. Okay, we finish this dialogue. Hi, my name is Mian Rice, the Diversity of Contracting Director for the Port of Seattle. As a public agency, the Port of Seattle serves the community, and our investments should benefit everyone who lives and works here. The Port is committed to equity, diversity, and inclusion, and to leveling the playing field. That means continuing to open doors to contracting opportunities to all, especially women and minority-owned and disadvantaged businesses. How can you participate? List your business in Vendor Connect, a database of contractors. Attend PortGen workshops to learn how to do business with the port. Learn more about contracting opportunities at portseattle.org. For more information on operating a concessions at Seattle Tacoma International Airport, visit lease.ctacshops.com. Why sit in bumper-to-bumper traffic when you can hop on Link Light Rail and fly by the gridlock? It's a smoother, easier, stress-free way to get where you want to go. Whether you're heading north to Capitol Hill in the University of Washington or south to Columbia City, Tukwila, and the airport, Link Light Rail will get you there quickly and safely. And if you have an ORCA card, even better. Just tap on the yellow card reader when you get on and listen for the beep to let you know your card has been accepted. Then tap your card reader again once you've reached your destination. 
and listen for the double beep to let you know you've tapped off correctly. To find the closest Linklight Rail station or to learn how to get an ORCA card, just go to soundtransit.org and type Linklight Rail into the search bar. Sound Transit's Linklight Rail. Just another way that Sound Transit is powering progress. Find our app in the Apple App Store or Google Play Store and take us with you wherever you go. Alternative Talk, AM 1150. All right, back at Urban Forum Northwest with uh, attorney and former state representative Jesse Weinberry, Bob Armstead from White State Civil Rights Coalition, and Lyle Kwasim, chair of the Tacoma Pierce County Black Collective. And before I go back there, I have to give a shout out of condolence to the Softly family for the passage of uh, the Linda, so- uh, passage of Linda Softly. She was funeralized today, and I'm real good friends with that whole family. Uh, anyway, uh, uh, Jesse and uh, Bob had made a comment to Jesse, and I want to go back to the comment you were making. Uh, yes, and it had to do with the relationship of the Department of Enterprise Services with the execution of the executive order that the uh, the governor signed. And Jesse, we talked about her role in implementation of the executive order. I don't know if yes, you know. Right. I'm looking at page one of the executive order, and I hope she has a copy. It says the sub cabinet on business diversity was formed in 2015 and that uh, uh, the governor directs the Department of Enterprise Services to conduct a statewide disparity study uh, and then it goes on family responsibility for uh, the training uh, to prepare the various state agencies the, the uh, for this new um, process that is affirmative. Now the, she also she also mentioned about having a, a an advisory committee. Are you familiar with that committee? Send it to. Just we having a problem with your with your receptions. I want to go to Bob right quick or either Lyle to talk about this advisory committee where she has openings to help lead this effort. And, and I, I, I would like for Lyle to speak to that, but very quickly, uh, based on what little I could hear from Jesse, if he's referring to the, uh, the sub-cabinet and its responsibilities, I think that has been transferred from DES to OMWBE. So perhaps uh, the director was correct and that responsibility is now with OMWBE. Lyle, would you have a comment? Yeah, and that was my and that was my understanding. Having uh, Bob Armstead and I had an opportunity to talk with uh, Tara Smith on Monday, and uh, she re- she stated that, that that responsibility had been removed from her office to WOMBE. So what 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 Jesse's saying is is correct, and what Tara said was correct. It is an executive function. It is just not her executive function. Okay. Okay. Uh, 
in terms of, uh, uh, Bob, why don't you just share with our listeners exactly where we are and where we were at the end of affirmative action. We've had these disparity studies, uh, the numbers are there. Could you please share with our listening audience how poorly Black folks are doing, especially African-Americans, african descendants of the United States and slaves are doing in this state? Uh, uh, Eddie, as is, it has been evident in, in all of the disparity studies that have been uh, performed in Washington State, and specifically uh, nine that, that we reference that have been performed in the last 10 years, uh, the lowest category of participation that is usually identified in the disparity studies is uh, significantly uh, disparate impacts. And in each of those disparity studies, when under the, uh, the ethnic categories for Blacks and African Americans, it has consistently been significantly uh, shown disparate impacts. And by that, they mean the, the contracting level uh, specifically for the disparity studies has been at that, uh, at that level. Uh, we're talking about uh, very low uh, single digits or one in terms of the percentage of contracting dollars that have gone to, uh, to African-Americans. So when uh, oftentimes when there are discussions about uh, minority and woman-owned business uh, subcontracting in Washington state, there's a number that uh, you know, might be 11, 12, 13 or whatever. Uh, when you break that out by ethnic groups and you look at African-Americans, the number is typically one or two or less than one. So there has been- Are you, are you saying 1% Bob? Yes. Okay, yes. so people get an idea. We're talking about yep. African-Americans doing 1% or less of the state's business. Yes. Okay, now I want to ask I want to ask Jesse or Lyle, how can we ensure because people were discouraged from going to business because they saw black people going out of business because they're not being used like the four black companies of construction companies went out of business on the tunnel partners project. So how do what can we do to make sure that folks that do make that investment to go into business that they get some participation? Any idea? Well, I don't mind. I don't mind uh, saying uh, that the responsibility first begins with us, and that is our business owners must, who are not certified, must immediately start the certification process with the Office of Minority Business Enterprises. Uh, uh, that's step one. And uh, 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 Washington Equity now has a liaison with the uh, Office of, of uh, Women and uh, Minority Women Business Enterprises. Uh, if they contact us, go into our website, we can put them immediately and directly in touch with the person that oversees the certification, be able to assist them to uh, fast-track that certification. That's number one. Who are certified? Uh, uh, the minority is responsible, first and foremost, to make them aware to 
Jesse, your communication device is dropping off and on, but we can hardly hear you. But what I will do to commit is that I'll definitely have all the information that Jesse Weinberry is talking about. Uh, Jesse, give them the website address that you're talking about, and I'll give them the Urban Forum NW uh, uh, dot, uh, dot com website. We'll give them the, the website before we have to go. Absolutely. And then it's com. That's the website for Washington. Okay, well, uh, uh, Lyle, Bob, uh, we've got about two minutes left. I want to know if you guys have a pardon, uh, question or comment. I just want to say the Black Collective for uh, African Americans uh, in the Pacific Northwest uh, meets uh, every Saturday at uh, 8.30. Uh, you can go to the blackcollective.org uh, and uh, register and come and join us. Uh, you will be um, uh, fascinated with a, a whole host of uh, African-Americans working uh, for social, legal, education, and health justice. All right. Bob, you have one? Uh, I, I second what uh, what Lyle just said. I mean, you, you will be amazed at the information that's available through the Black Collective and the level of knowledge and participation of the individuals that are part of the collective. And, and finally, we have to make it better for the African-American community. The demographic changes in the African-American community since the change, the passage of I-200 is, in my estimation, almost criminal. Okay, I want to thank Lyle Kwasim, uh, Attorney Jesse Weinberry, uh, Bob Armstead, uh, Representative David Hackney, DES, Department of Enterprise Services Director, Terrell Smith, for coming in. This has been Eddie Rye with another edition of Urban Forum Northwest. I want to thank Sound Transit. Congratulations to Leslie Jones and Federal Judge Richard Jones for being one of the power couples. They are being uh, honored on uh, February 19th by with the African-American Achievement Award. You can hear more about that next week. I'll let Deborah Moore Jackson give you all the details on what's going to be happening on February 19th. Thank you, everybody. Have a, a blessed and safe week.